Welcome to the Not-So-Perfect Storm on Exceptionals Adventures, written by the game designer himself. This is Session Zero. We'll be taking you through the finer steps of character creation and base building. Welcome to Exceptionals. Hello, I'm Gar Atkins. Most folk know me as Sahoni, and I am the writer, designer, and editor, and just about everything else in this game. There is a lot to do. I'm going to be running four people through character creation for Exceptionals, a game largely inspired by X-Men about the spaces and communities that marginalized people make for themselves. And as the tagline says on the book cover, it's a game about uh, community, first and foremost, activism, and kinetic eye beams because well you gotta have lasers in there somewhere yeah i love love excuse me they're not lasers they don't have any heat Uh, okay i'm sorry look we get out at the we get it at the outset and then actually if i'm gonna be honest the writing's very inconsistent about that too so like generally a reverent tone of everything of of the the manual Mm -hmm. thank you the first thing you should do when you're creating character in exceptionals is gather your materials Usually this is going to be a, a copy of the book, of course, and a character sheet, but that can be analog or digital. What's really important is that it is a, in a form that is editable and able to be consulted during both creation and play. And once you have all of that, you can think up of a concept. What sort of character do you want to play? What sort of pers- a, a person do you want to play? You can start from powers, or you can do this from a more character-centric perspective and what sort of person are they? And then you'll come up with powers that fit them later. If I'm not mistaken, all of you have a character concept already in mind? Correct. Oh, yeah. Okay. Why don't we go around and you tell the table, like, in a sentence, what sort of character this is? I'll start. I am playing Rhett Connor alias Crossroad. He is a reality manipulator who changes the present by pulling slightly different versions of the immediate past out of alternate timelines. Every X-Men fan's favorite sort of character, a reality warper. (laughs) Starting off strong. (laughs) Starting off strong. If if I can't play Scarlet Witch, I'm going to get as close as I can. We do not use the name of the pretender in this house. Don't start dating robots. Um, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Or do some dating robots. I don't judge. You can do what you want. No. Do you uh, remember but... where you were on the day of the schism? It was five minutes into a brand new podcast. You don't understand. There is an apostrophe there. No. More mutant. Okay. Yeah, that should be perfectly doable in this game. Who wants to go next? I am Jack Spector. I am a a psychic who has tele- telepathic powers and the ability to change the way people perceive the world around them. And I use those powers as a private detective and I'm a licensed psychologist because I wanted to understand the morality of my powers and avoid doing things that would cross across uh, the line. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, again, very doable within this system. Why don't you come next, Kaki? Oh, hey, I will be playing. Actually, the, the, I started off with a different concept, trying to copy one from Legion. And then I started like developing that some more and realized that I was basically inventing 
a cat. So this is Stuyvesant, a.k.a. Calico, who censors the world through other people's experiences of it and consolidates that. Sort of, uh, do you remember the end of uh, The Dark Knight? Where everybody, the movie where everybody's cell phone was turned into a 3D imager and that sort of consolidated into a model of the, of the city. That, with other people's eyes and ears, that's how he sees the world uh, around him. Nanakiri, why don't you finish us all off? Okay, I will be playing Cooper Marsh, whose ability is when he walks, grass grows behind him. And that's pretty much the long and the short of it. Is puns? Now, are we talking weed or like uh, actual? No, no, grass? like like long grass <laughs> and other types of grass. I did it a lot of research grass. last night. Huh? Is corn a grass? Corn is a grass, technically. <laughs> when he's hungry, <laughs> corn and grass and wheat grow behind him unconsciously. I so that'll be fun to address in game. <laughs> I know several American food companies who would love to have you work for them right now oh i don't know about that he's a little bit of an environmentalist mainly because a lot of very stuffy business types don't like it when he walks around their building and leaves piles of grass everywhere by accident not necessarily always on purpose yeah i I think is kind of corny monsanto Uh, acquisition squad is on the hunt right now i don't don't like me because it I grow grow wild corn and it messes with the the GMO. Of course. They maintain you're violating their intellectual property rights by growing corn. Yeah. It's like, I can't. Look, I'm not doing it on purpose. (laughs) I'm just hungry. You're growing wild corn seed. Technically, yes. Yeah. Well, what's great what's great about this is that like all of these concepts are completely manageable within exceptionals. In fact, I explicitly tried to make a system that allowed for very weird high concept things, as well as the more typical fun stuff like I shoot fireballs out of my hands. All throughout the book, I have examples of some weird high concept ones, like a living skeleton that no one can notice that they're a skeleton unless it's pointed out that they are a skeleton. Yeah, uh, uh, a person with an entire extra dimensional diner within their eyes. I really like that one. I, I, yeah, I read through that one, and that one, that one kind of got me thinking. And I was like, okay, no, I got to do some wacky because if we can do stuff like this, yeah, I got to like, have some wacky. Reading people talking about extra dimensional diner guy on Twitter was what made me determined to play this. <laughs> I also have a Filipina SoundCloud rapper who, anytime she drinks a liquid other than water, she will vomit it back up as a living jellyfish-like creature that she can control, that are highly explosive, by the way. I love the specificity. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Now that you guys all have a concept, which is probably the hardest part of this, you you have to choose four protocols that you think uh, fit this character best. And these are split up between mutation protocols which are all of your different superpowers sort of things, and persona protocols, which are how uh, you or others perceive this character within the dynamics of a group. And you get four of these to choose from, and you can mix and match as best makes sense for the character, but most people are going to have two of each. And I, I didn't see which protocols you all picked. So I I, I want to go through, I'm going to go through with, first of all, you, Rob. What did you pick? 
I picked the warper for probability manipulation. Of course. And the roamer for what I'm calling possibility walking. And those are my mutation protocols. And my social protocols are the rebel and the socialite. The version of the socialite I'm taking is helpful stranger in the corner of the diner or bar or airport waiting area who just seems to be willing to listen for some strange reason. All right. Okay. And then I think I'm going to go go back up. Uh, all right, Enigma, what did you choose for your protocols? For my, I have two Esper, or two mutation um, protocols, two percent protocols. My first mutation is Esper. Mm -hmm. I'm a telepath, so naturally, like, it, it, you, you get information yeah. through telepathy because he, the idea is that he can read minds, but he can only read, like, the foremost thoughts in people's minds, like, easily. If he has to um, go deeper into someone's mind, he has to really focus and be isolated from everyone else because otherwise people's other people's rogue thoughts will just break his concentration. And the other mutation I gave him was trickster. Okay. And I refer to it as sensory manipulation. Basically, <clears throat> if well, I mean, and that makes sense because trickster is just nope. anyone that has powers based around subversion, control, or illusion. Most of these are going to be grouped by concept. Yeah. Uh, and the idea is that he can manipulate the way you perceive the world. And the way, what I mean by that is if you're in, if he's in your line of sight, he can make it so that you just don't see him. Like you just <laughs> see right through him. He's still there and he, and nothing's changed, but you can, but you just can't see him or sometimes he can disguise his footsteps if he's in the room. But a camera is not a thing that can set that, that he can affect the senses of. So if he's seen on camera, there's just no editing that unless he's in the room and can just change how you put in the camera footage what about persona protocols i gave him the investigator protocol because yeah i kind of the, did detective yeah is that he is the person you go to for the petty crimes that you don't want to bring to the cops okay yeah so, so it, it's more of that guy in the community who who will get shit done if a gas station attendant gets like if if there's like a petty like a, a shoplifting charge you won't bring that to the police you'll bring it to him and he'll find a way to resolve it amicably between the two parties and the other one i gave him is uh the scholar persona as a licensed psychologist yeah and that makes sense because the scholar basically is specifically the humanities I know a lot of people in a lot of games like to group STEM and the humanities together under one big science or knowledge sort of thing, but it works better to highlight what both are about by splitting them up a little bit, even though they are they are often interdisciplinary. Yeah. And the idea for this is that because he has this mind reading power, he doesn't want to like violate ethical like the, the kind of ethical problems you would have if you uh -huh. have you scry into someone's mind and see what they're thinking yeah and so okay. he took that psychology as a way to teach himself the right and wrong way to do this and and there was a lot of ways you could approach that too like it could have been someone who just studied it on their own or just read a lot of philosophy books there so i'm very interested to see what you're going to take with this nini Carey, how about you all right, for my mutation protocols, I have the Warper, 
so that I can do spontaneous grass generation. Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's the tag. Yeah, and and what's great is that even though we have two characters with the warper, they are taking wildly different approaches with it. Yeah, exactly. I I figured because it's it specifically says affect environment, and I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense for, and, for this and, particular one. Yeah, and you could there's other ways you could present that too if we if you choose to do that differently as we go farther into character creation. There's also the enhancer. Funny you should mention that because that's my other that's my hey, other mutation. Yeah, there you is go. The, enhancer. <laughs> uh, the, the reason I took that one is because I'm using that as the tag for this is grass augmentation. And this is the this is the flavor behind why he can produce different kinds of grasses and that the grass is dependent on kind of his mood and state of being. So that's that's it's enhancing it in that way. Mm-hmm. because of his just like his state of being right One, that's the way i took it I, I don't yeah know yeah sense. i know I, it totally does i was i i figured there is that the warper might be more the different types of grasses and the enhancer might be make grass big yes yes <laughs> yeah, actually yeah. specifically i have a, a thing in here where if he walks over the same patch of grass it gets longer okay cool yeah so yeah, uh, it's, it's exactly that, actually. What about your persona protocols? Tell me about those. Yeah, so I picked uh, the athlete for the first one, the mainly because, the yeah, I figured with the whole movement thing, and also just with him being outside a lot, I, I felt like it made sense for him to be into different kinds of sports that required a lot of movement. So like track and field, soccer, that co- that kind of thing made sense to me something he would be interested in because it's a way for him to get outside and it's also technically helping him with training his power fair enough yeah and then the other persona protocol was the rebel and i picked this one mainly because after he started getting a little more control over his powers and started looking into like different types of grasses and getting involved and learning a little bit more and also dealing with kind of like people who didn't necessarily want him around and weird rules on gentrified neighborhoods and things he realized huh maybe i should look into environmentalism a little bit and this is weird that like all these buildings are cropping up in these protected areas that shouldn't be maybe i should do something about that yeah that it it the ability to latch on to something like that is probably going to make sense uh, a lot more sense uh, when you find out where I am setting this story, uh, oh good! <laughs> I didn't think I didn't think Grassman was gonna be the MVP. <laughs> Grass at your fingertips. Case, but the point stands. Yes, Kaki. What about you? What do you? What sort of protocols were you thinking about doing before just heading into this? So I've got for his mutation protocols, Esper, as I mentioned, being. Unable to, born unable to see or, or hear himself, he's able to perceive the world by passively absorbing the information through other people's senses within, within mm-hmm. range, using their, their senses to build up a model of, of the world, which 
has the has the consequence of a much vaguer but also a much more total situational uh, awareness so he'll need a he'll need a cane for minor details what's directly in front of his feet if nobody else has looked at his feet for a while he may not know exactly what's there mm-hmm. uh, and and that's very much a choice that you have made for yourself rather than one that i have imposed upon you as as a way to yes yes yeah. exactly yeah i very much want to make that clear because i may i if i'm going to be making a game with a bunch of metaphors for marginalization that does include ableism and yes. uh disability and i do not want to treat those as inherent weaknesses but rather things that people choose to explore on uh, on their own that's a very good point and that, yeah. that's something that i'm certainly going to try and be be sensitive to and uh, mm-hmm. uh, i certainly do appreciate should i should i make any obvious mistakes be corrected on that i will try my best it's not really Thank something you. i'm uh the most trained on but i did want to when i was designing this i did want to have that that sensitivity and allow for it to be something on your own terms because uh, that's a lot of this game this game can deal with a lot of heavy topics because we are talking about the mutant metaphor but I, I never wanted it to be a game about pain tourism. I wanted it to be a space for people to talk about things and push back on their own terms, even if that's never at all, and they just want to have a fun time and punch some robots. Well, this is not torture porn. This is <laughs> yeah, ex- something... No, certainly. Yes, exactly. What what else uh, do we got? So this this idea of his, his sensory perception being uh, being based on other people relates to the first of his persona protocols, the heart. Mm. He like he wants to be around other people. That's when the world is most real. And I imagine He's... with a power like that, you would probably be a very empathetic person in general. I had not fully figured. Okay, I partly I, I really want to develop that aspect of him through play. And since we didn't have a a, a world established like all of that, it is <laughs> still open. I imagine him essentially like a neighborhood cat who he has some favorite people. He can also not be there for several weeks. Which also plays into the, the next mutation, the roamer, specifically the ability to teleport when he's not observed. So like double slit experiment superposition, mm-hmm. when no one's paying attention to him, when he's not observed, and he knows when he's observed, he has the ability to be somewhere else that's also unobserved. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's very good. It's, it's, it's very good. I should have called it Schrodinger. <laughs> I am correcting that. You're starting. You can make that change. Yeah. The audio. It wasn't Stuyvesant. It's Schrodinger. Forget about uh, the calico too. It's just Schrodinger all the way. The whole yeah, point. Yeah. Exa- exactly. It's very good. Okay. Did we get four? I wasn't sure. <laughs> the last yeah. one is investigator. I find it interesting that there's a lot of overlap in this party, but there is mm. a just again, wildly different directions. And that's uh, largely what, because of how protocols are set up. Protocols are a series of open-ended questions. You have to answer one of them, but you get to pick out three other questions from a list of about nine that you think best fits this person that you want to explore. And then you pick one weakness question out of four. And that is going to, uh, and these are going to give you your power tags and questions, or, or power tags and weakness tags rather, which are b- basically they are equal parts narrative justification for why you can do the thing, 
and dice bonuses, but but there are also kind of ways to explore who they are as this person and help you define them. I don't know how we're going to go through this. I don't know if you guys want to do some of these questions uh, or go through some of these questions or if you just want to tell me uh, which questions you wanted to pick out and your answer for them. But generally, when you're making player protocols and player tags, or sorry, when you're when you want to make a player tag, be it a power tag or a weakness tag, they're going to be short war, uh, short words or phrases. Generally, the more quippy, the better. That kind of summarize who this person is. These are things that you want to highlight specifically about this character. It may not be the full picture of who this person is. This is if you've if you're familiar with like character design. There's this concept about creating a, a distinctive silhouette. And these are, it's very much the same thing, but from a narrative perspective, this is your distinctive silhouette. Yeah. Kaki, how about we start with you? Okay. Starting at the, at the top, I found the most interesting, okay, the heart persona, the sort of empathy. Actually, there among all the questions, I found what, the most interesting one to be in the weakness tags. And again, not to like, this isn't about ableism, but I wanted to, uh, I'm always interested in creating characters whose whose abilities and and limitations inform the, the character. And it occurred to me that if he senses the world through other people's senses, he would himself probably be functionally illiterate because he mm -hmm. would be unable to sit down with a book and read it at his own pace. I like the idea of someone who for whom the, the current real world is much more important than the records thereof. Think all RAM and no ROM. Think oral history is what would be what would be real if this is how, how people uh, perceive the world. And he has a significant disadvantage in stuff like records and needs other people for that. Yeah, what, were, what was the question specifically? Oh, yeah. So sorry. What obstacle or person constantly blocks your ability to take care of others? In an urbanized world, that's certainly the case. All right, fair enough. Okay. Nini Kiri, how about you? Give me one. Let's see here. Okay, so for my enhancer mutation, the genesis is what and how do you change the properties of things? And the tag I chose for that was grass augmentation. So it's changing the type or you know composition of the grass. And one that I thought was fun was, I got to find, there's question C, when is your ability to, oh, wait, I'm in the wrong, I'm in the wrong mutation. <laughs> I'm in the wrong mutation. I was afraid of doing that myself. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's okay. Don't worry. I did it for you. Now, <laughs> now we don't have to worry about it. I made it easier was, for myself by starting at the top. I was looking at the enhancer. Okay. Here we go. Here's the real question. What, are you, what is your favorite or practiced use of your ability to modify? And the answer to this is, when relaxed, can create wildflowers and dandelions, which is specifically not grass, but it's something that he really enjoys, and it, just, it happens when he's like at peace and just relaxing. Yeah, I, I really kind of like that because... If nothing else, it shows that there is a story potential of there's more outside of grass that just might be their default. So right, there's, and it... there's like a space to maybe grow this person as they get experience. Yes, exactly. And and also, I, I wanted to keep it to 
like types of flowers and things that you would see like growing in grass. So it's it's close to it, but it's like just a little away from it. So you would see dandelions and, and wildflowers in patches of grass. So it makes sense, mm-hmm. but it's it's just different enough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so like sorry, like, but I can help say it. You like grass and weeds. Yes. yes. Oh, this is this is <laughs> not incorrect. Uh, this is this in- is the mutant equivalent of have of like when you get an Oddish and you name it 420 Blaze It. It's certainly up there. <laughs> His last name is Marsh, so I, I am hitting the nail pretty hard on the head. So. 420. Cool, right? <laughs> All right, Enigma, why don't you tell me one of yours? I, I, this was something for my Esper mutation, which was a genesis of how do you obtain information beyond the means available to geotypical people? Obviously, my answer was telepathy, but my weakness, the question was, what suppresses your ability to sense and perceive? And the answer I thought of was he has no ability to turn his power off. So I said crowds and overactive minds. So the idea being if he's in a room full of people, very hard for him to zone in on one in particular to focus on and read their mind because he's just drowning in a bunch of extrasensory information that he doesn't actually actively want to hear. And similarly, if you have an overactive mind, like it is like you're thinking a million miles a minute and he cannot keep up with the, the speed at which your mind is going. All right. Yeah, right. <laughs> what about you, Rob? Well, I've got in the warper, the probability manipulation. I think my favorite answer was to... How has your power to adapt changed how you see the world? And the answer I've got is, there's no past or future, just different kinds of now. I really like that. That sounds like Pink Floyd lyrics, (laughs) which is a compliment. Hold on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, Pink Floyd's uh, very good. (laughs) But I'm glad you guys found some stuff and some questions that you found evocative, at least, to help you create this, which is largely the goal. Once you have picked out and answered all of your questions, which might take a bit of time, but it is it is generally a time well spent, you record it on your character sheet, which I've seen the character sheets. You guys already did that. Then you are going to assign your stress boxes, which you get uh, five uh, st- extra stress boxes to assign amongst your three different stress tracks, which this is basically your health in most games. And in exceptionals, it's split up amongst between physical, mental, and social health, all of which have a very kind of different use and different things. It's how much can your character go through before they're just out of the ability to give more. That confused me initially because of the terminology, because it's, uh, uh-huh. it's physical stress and then current stress, until I realized, yeah, as you say, and as was explained in the book, it's more of the stress tolerance. Yes. It is, it is how much can they put up with, rather mm. than full kind of measure of a, a well-being, I guess. Mm. I, I feel like a, that's... How... I, I, yeah, basically. It is how many spoons do you have to give if we want to go back and leaning on to uh, mutation as a metaphor for disability? 
and you might have different, different tolerances for different tasks. And again, these are not going to be tied to ability or personhood per se. Like you could be a big, strong, big, tough uh, guy with the big muscles who works out every day, but the minute you get into a fight, you wimp out. Or you could be someone who has to live with chronic pain and fatigue every day. So, you know, your tolerance for that I, sort of BS is pretty high. I actually, I think I have a good example with my character, if you don't mind me. I decided, even though my character is a psychic, I actually didn't give them any extra mental stress. I gave them plus zero because the idea I had in my head was he is spending so much mental energy reading like people's minds that he doesn't have any, he doesn't have any extra to take care of like his own mind and his own mental struggles. Mm -hmm. So like that stamina is just, it's spent all, like all, already just having to keep his own thoughts in order and avoid like cross pollination of people's thoughts. So he, he's, and you'd think psychic, oh yeah, he's strong in the mind. No, it's actually because he hasn't spent all the time dealing with other people's thoughts. He doesn't have time for his own. Yeah, yeah, no, and that makes a lot of sense. So instead, I gave him plus two in social stress because as a psychologist, he would have the kind of training to deal with stressful situations and physical stress because as a detective, he would be out and about and be somewhat active, but not as active as someone like Nanakiri, who is a, a track star. We'll get to that. <laughs> no, he his physical stress is the highest on his stress track. And the reason I decided that was he's an endurance runner first and foremost. And there's a difference between like, endurance and sprinting and so i figured if he's like doing marathon running like he would be able to take more physical stress just because a lot of his body mm -hmm. yeah exactly yeah yeah that's very good after that which it, it shouldn't take too long there is the question of bonds which are something that a group does together with along with the editor and these are things representative of your relationships, your however you may define them, between other characters. And this can be something that is defined during play. You don't have to do this before session one. But it, it, you cannot take advantage of the mechanics attached to bonds until you define it. And I another thing that was important to me when creating the game is... A lot of times when you make a a, a, a sort of a play group, when you have a game where you have a, a party of some sort, relationships become very insular. And it, it, it tends to end up being this sort of deal of ride or die, fuck you, you're the real ones for people in the party and just a middle finger to everybody else. And I very much didn't want uh, you to do that. So part of Bonds is making at least, I, th I think, two more representing relationships outside of that player group. These are two people that mean something to this character. And I can give you guys a Bond sheet if you would like. I don't know if you guys did this or not, because I have been out of it and very busy lately. We wanted to know what the setting is first before we thought mm. about what kind of bonds you would have inside said setting. You know what? That's fair. Thank you for listening to episode one of The Not-So-Perfect Storm, an Exceptionals Adventure. Stay tuned. Now that character building is done, 
for base and bond building.